everyone, it's Judy Warner. Welcome back to the Ecosystem Podcast. As you know, going into that dreaded EM chamber after you've designed a product can be really painful if you don't pass. And of course, it costs a ton of money. So I invited on my new friend, Giuliano Milani from ANSYS. I've been following him on LinkedIn for a while and appreciate the things that he shares there, along with some super cool video graphics showing um, field emissions that are modeled through ANSYS. I brought him on because he's just on the back end of an EMC SIPI conference, and I know he has a lot to share and will hopefully help you avoid some of those pitfalls. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's jump into our conversation with Giulio Milani. Hi, Julian. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to share you with our audience and talk all about EMI EMC today. Yeah, thank you very much for the time, Judy. It's an honor to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to explain a little bit what we do here at ANSYS. I've been sort of a cyber stalker in that you put up the coolest um, eye candy on LinkedIn, and I want to make sure and share with our audience because it's so great the visualization that you give on LinkedIn and, you know, for civilian non-engineers like me, it speaks volumes and I think everybody loves it. And so um, I knew that I wanted to talk to you and get you on and talk more about that. And I know you also just came from an important EMC show. And so I also wanted to talk about that. So why don't you take a moment and tell us a little bit about you, your background and what you do at ANSYS. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm here at ANSYS, I'm the uh, lead electronics product manager. So I'm the product manager for some of our high-frequency electromagnetic products. It's basically the tools that companies and users, they use to design ICs, packets, uh, print circuit boards, antennas, radars, uh, anything that is related to electronics at a high frequency, megahertz, uh, gigahertz, up to terahertz. Before I joined ANSYS, I used to work for an ANSYS channel partner in Brazil uh, for 10 years at EEEE. Before that, I used to work for many different companies, Delphi Automotive Systems, uh, designing wiring harness, print circuit boards, uh, Motorola, where I was a package, IC package designer, and, and a few other ones. So it's, it's been a, a very interesting adventure so far. I think the greatest advantage of being here at ANSYS is that we have uh, thousands of customers, over 40,000 customers. So I have the opportunity to work with uh, companies uh, on the high-tech side, uh, on the automotive, aerospace. So I think it's, uh, it's a very good place where I am right now because I'm always talking to smart people like you and you know, many of our you know, people here in our audience. And I, I'm always you know, seeing what's coming up next, you know, what's going to be like mm -hmm. 5G, 6G, you know, because people always seem late first before they design an actual physical prototype. So it's been a very interesting journey so far. I totally resonate with that remark. I've said many times I get to work with some of the smartest people, and also I've had awesome field trips. So that's my two, and it's oh, it's always changing, right? We're always pushing. So I find it really engaging and interesting. So I share that with you. So let's talk about, I mean, it seems to be a theme with my guests these days of shifting landscapes, right? Because higher speed in your case, you know, 5G, now they're starting to flirt with 6G, you know, internet of everything, right? And so, so much is changing so fast. And people are saying the rules of thumb 
the old rules of thumb don't always carry forward really well. So what are you seeing in that high frequency space specifically about how engineers sort of keep up and, and, and keep moving with the technology? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. And that's something that we're seeing, you know, all across the industry. Um, if you take a look at the simple products like, you know, a washing machine or even a light bulb, you know, a light bulb is just a light bulb, right? But now they have Wi-Fi uh, communication. Sometimes you have ZigBee, you know, washing machine back, you know, 20 years ago, uh, you know, it was just like an electromechanical timer and the motor, right? Now you right. have touchscreen display, you have antennas, you have wireless communication. And now since you are adding that kind of electronic, because everything needs to be connected today, you have to go through a different set of EMC certifications, right? You have a product mm. like a bulb, you know, it's not too bad. But if you have a Wi-Fi antenna, then you have to go through lots of certifications, FCC, mm -hmm. you know, CE in Europe. And those engineers that were used to design a light bulb, now they have to know how to feed an antenna. And that's not something very trivial for most of the engineers who are only designing to, you know, simple print circuit boards and, and, and things like this. Actually, I have a, a professor of mine, He's a, he gave me a, a very good advice. He was saying that there are only two kinds of engineers, the ones that are facing EMC and signal integrity problems, and the ones that are going to face, uh, you know, EMI problems <laughs> and signal integrity. And he's absolutely right. I mean, you know, I remember when I started with the, in the simulation world 25 years ago, you know, only high tech companies were using simulation. But now we have everyone using our tools, you know, on automotive industry appliances, even the most simple IoT devices, you know, they're using simulation because they don't, they want to understand what their products is going to behave like on EMC certification tests. But they also need to make sure that everything is going to work as planet, right? You know, you have to match impedance for antennas. You need to make sure, you know, your antenna is not interfering in your digital signals and the other way around. So we're seeing more and more, um, you know, more electronics everywhere. So I think that's the, the you know, the challenge that engineers are, are facing today. You know, they just need to understand more uh, about RF, uh, EMC, signal integrity, power integrity. Yeah, and I've said many times that because I had a, a, about a five-year stint where I was focused on RF microwave um, PCBs and how really different they are you know, and there's things we could do, say that we're IPC compliant, but we'd still screw up the engineer, right? Because the way down too much copper or the way we drilled the vias or, you know, whatever. And I just see this getting in some ways across the system worse and worse and worse because you have multiple antennas, right? And all these chances for interference. So, what I've observed over the last 10 years is a bunch of engineers being drug into RF, kicking and screaming, and then trying to catch up and understand. And it's, and they're doing a great job, by the way. It's, it's because there are good companies and tools and educational resources that companies like ANSYS provides. So I think that's really, really great. And millimeter wave, you know, I know I talked to a, a friend from Rogers and he's like, rules of thumb at microwave are different than they are at millimeter wave. And so you don't want to get blindsided, which is why I want to have you on, right? So our audience goes, 
got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, a- I need absolutely. to pay attention. Um, yeah. Before I started with simulation, I was designing print circuit boards. And back at that time, you know, you understand a few things like, you know, current, uh, you know, resistance, inductance, capacitance. But when you, sh- you know, increasing the speed, I mean, it doesn't have to be like millimeter wave, 28 gigahertz. But if you're increasing the speed up to a few gigahertz, you know, you need to understand like reflections, you know, TDR, you know, RF stuff. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that's a big shift, you know, moving from RLCs to S parameters, you know, reflections, crosstalk, you know, it's a, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a big shift yeah. for, for the, uh, for the millimeter wave, for example, you know, it's also very difficult to measure things at 28 gigahertz. One of the, the difference between, you know, 5G and, and, you know, 4G is that 5G millimeter wave, instead of having just a single antenna, you have an antenna array because you want to focus the energy on the users, right? So, yes. you know, to yep. do that kind of measurements at 28 gigahertz is very difficult. If you go to the FCC website, you see, you know, just search for a given product, you see that they have lots of measurements and even more simulations because they match a few measurements with simulation. But, you know, changing the radiation pattern of this, uh, you know, antenna rays and performing the measurements is very challenging. So simulation helps a lot on on that, especially understanding electromagnetics. That's something that we don't see, right? I mean, mechanical, you see something bending, right? But the electromagnetics is, is different, right? With simulation, right. actually, you can actually see, visualize electric fields, magnetic fields, and, and that provides more insight. People understand better when they see, uh, you know, fields. Yes, it helps me a lot by looking at your cool <laughs> posts. I'm like, oh. yeah. you know, it's one thing to conceptually think about a field, right? Yeah. And it's another thing to sort of visually see how it's emitting, right? Yes. Off devices or boards or whatever. It's really cool. So a lot of engineers sort of balk against expensive simulation tools, but people keep telling me, that you it's sort of no longer optional is that something is that your perspective and sort of since you meet with so many engineers across the industry what is your sense about when you get a pushback on the cost of of owning really good simulation simulation tools tools. yeah that, that that's a question that we got especially from you know small and medium business right I mean, simulation right. tool, they can be very expensive, but we have, you know, many commercial, you know, options for that. But, uh, you know, moving to the cloud, we have Elastic License. You have, you can lease like for a month or two. You can even, you know, request a service, you know, we can provide technical service. Mm-hmm. So you don't need to learn simulation. You know, we can do this work for you. But, you know, w- what we're seeing more and more is that oh. adoption is increasing a lot. And the reason for that is because simulation, just like, you know, hardware is expensive. But how expensive it is to a chamber and fail certification, how expensive it is to redo a prototype, not only the physical cost, but you're delaying your product, you know, the launch of your product by weeks, maybe months. Yep. How expensive is that? Because your competitors, right. you know, they're launching in, on time, right? If you take a look at cell phones, cars in the past, you know, a car, you had a, a new model year. Every five years, you have a new model, right? Today, you know, every year you have a new model. And how do you think they're doing this? You know, just simulation. Without yeah. simulation, there's no way you can actually decrease the, you know, development cycle, you know, in order to, you know, keep launching products, you know, more often. 
just being the devil's advocate here, if someone, say, works for a small company, say someone in our audience works for a really small company where they don't, they just don't have the spend at this point, or maybe they're a startup, right? What would you recommend? I know there's some maybe open source or low-end tools, and I know they don't have the functionality of a, of a tool like ANSYS, but let's say that I'm a startup. What would you recommend as an expert in this industry? Well, I'll recommend you get in touch with the ANSYS startup program. We do have a, a startup program where okay. we would we love companies, we love startups, we love to help them. I mean, there are many free tools, but in the end, it's not only a tool. I mean, you're only going to get benefit if someone helps you to use the tool, right? And that's what we right. do here. We're not only providing you a tool, like we're also teaching you how to use it, you know, how to get benefit from mm. that. So I think that's the biggest difference. You know, there are free tools on the market for everything, but, you know, if you're, they're, they're not going to provide you support. They're not going to teach you how to use it, right? You're going to have to figure that out right. by yourself. It's going to take some time. So, you know, we do have this startup program where, you know, we help all the, you know, hundreds, thousands of startup uh, companies, uh, I think, and uh, we help them. And when they grow, you know, you know, we become even more partners, you know, we tighten the partnership and we help them grow even more. And having answers, just like, you know, many of all of these companies, you know, mm -hmm. as a partnership for a startup is also very good because they're trying to get, uh, you know, money, customers, ideas. And having right. someone like ANSYS, you know, you were just mentioning Keyside, you know, all of these companies backing them up is also really good for them. So that's the reason we have this startup program. I know. And it can't, I really didn't cue you up to, to give an ANSYS commercial, but I know that's your sincere answer. And having worked at Altium and we had a university program, I would tell students the same thing. Like when you get a job, you know, rather than eagle, you know, on your resume to say that you know how to use a professional tool actually helps you on your career path. And it helps you as a company to have better results. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't mean for us to sound like a, but I do resonate sincerely with that having worked for another company with a similar tool on understanding that, you know, using AutoCAD, Eagle, you know, or one of the either in KiCad open source or whatever is great. It'll help you get your senior capstone project done. Or if you're a startup, you know, it'll get you off the ground, but then what? So I really, I really do resonate with what you're saying. Um, and a lot of people don't know that companies like ANSYS, Altium, Keysight, whoever it is, you know, a lot of these companies do have, um, programs for startups and students, right? Which and, help, and again, it just helps yeah. the whole industry. We yeah. have okay. academic I, for universities and also anyone can download our high frequency electromagnetic tools. You know, any student can actually download that for free with a single click. Uh, you know, we provide that as well. Uh, but unfortunately, we don't provide support for all the students around the world. Yeah. But there's an yeah. ANSYS forum where, you know, from time to time, some of us, you know, we go there and we answer some of the questions. Right. And I imagine ANSYS also has some online resources. I didn't look into that yes. ahead of time. I should have asked A lot. You. Okay. Yeah. Many. Yeah. Okay. So they can self-educate and support as much as possible. Um, we've talked about this idea of 
of um, when it comes to EMC, whack-a-mole, right? You solve yeah. one problem and you create another. Can you talk a little bit about, th- you know, what that might look like in the context of EMC? Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, I've been in the EMC world for several decades now, and we have seen a, a lot of uh, different and even curious things. Um, one of the things that we see a lot, and, and I mean a lot, is that you know in many different companies you have someone who's designing a PCB, and then you have an engineer who's responsible for the thermal behavior. So you know if you have to place a heat sink or a cooler, mm-hmm. nobody wants to place a cooler because it's very expensive. You know a heat sink can you know increase the weight, and then you have EMC right. engineers that you know they're evaluating the board and they have to go to certification. So one thing that we see a lot is that someone designs a PCB and then there's a thermal problem, right? Uh, the PCB is okay. I mean, if you take a look at the electromagnetic compatibility, but there's a thermal problem. And then the engineers say, hey, okay, mm. I'm going to put like a heat sink in here. When they add a heat sink to the print circuit board, you're creating an electromagnetic problem. So you're solving a thermal, yeah. but you're creating an EMI problem. And then the other engineer goes, uh, now we're testing this and it's failing. So you have to remove this. So it's kind of like you're fixing the thermal problem, but then you're creating an EMI problem. Same thing happens with connectors, with uh, capacitors. I've seen companies that, you know, they were trying to reduce the, the, the cost of the product, you know, cost reduction programs, they're everywhere, right? So they were just like removing a few companies. This was a, a radio a product, right? So they were removing a few companies, a uh, few components like chokes, and they, instead of redoing all the certification tests they just did the check on the audio quality so the quality of the sound was still good and they removed a component they multiplied that component value of like a dollar for millions hey i'm gonna save millions the problem is that that component was a choke was actually you know in there to suppress conducted uh, noise so what happened is that some of the customers later you know were seeing you know odd things right because when they were increasing the volume of that radio you know things were starting to you know behave very oddly around it so you know customers went back there and they say yeah yeah we had this problem so you know we're trying to save costs but you know in the end was a problem so those kind of things, you know, someone's changing your product and not doing all the tests or creating different problems. We see that, you know, all all the time, especially when you have multiple physics, right? You know, mechanical, thermal, electromagnetics. Yeah. They're usually different uh, engineers, so they don't know what's going to cause, what's going to affect, you know, the change that they're doing to the product. You know, what's that's going to affect on EMC or thermal or mechanical? So there's been a lot of talk about sort of a system-based thinking, right? Yes. And being aware of your corollary stakeholders, which can be challenging. And we've talked forever about these silos. So, you know, what practical advice can you give engineers to sort of think about all those things instead of throwing their one piece over the wall and creating another problem and all this back and forth? Like... You know, what about reliability over time? Like, yeah. And, and as you're saying, it's a system like, you know, it's, it's part of a, of a company. If you ask an engineer to learn electromagnetics, thermal, mechanical, I mean, it's very challenging, right? So what we are seeing more and more is actually, you know, companies creating automated workflows. So, you know, if you're making a change to your product, 
you know, you have to rerun those tests, right? It doesn't have to be mm. simulation. It could be a physical test, right? But the simulation, it's easier because you can upload your changes, you know, to somewhere on the internet of a company and, you know, you can run simulations in the background in an automated way and get a report right. like, hey, the change that you did does not affect EMC, for example, mm. right? So that's something that we're seeing more and more because EMC certification is, is just the first step. Right. You know, you can pass EMC, mm -hmm. but you can still have a problem in the field. Right. I mean, that those are things that we see more usually on automotive. You see those recalls. Nobody wants to see that. I mean, those are certified products, right. but they are failing uh, in the yeah. field. So as you're saying, one of the things that, uh, you know, we have is something that we call uh, product, you know, reliability. So, you know, you have a print circuit board, you have the thermal profile, you have the electromagnetic profile. And then, you know, the currents are going up and down all the time. You have, you know, high speed uh, current switching, uh, you know, very fast. And that's along the years is going to create problems, you know, thermal stresses, uh, fatigue. And uh, that's something that we can actually compute uh, the mean time between failures. You know, you know, with this thermal mm. profile, you know, in this behavior, you're going to place this, let's say, in a car that's going to drive, I don't know, 100 miles per day on a bumpy road. You know, this is going to last like, six years or this is going to last like five years. I see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is different from certification, right? Certification is one thing. The other thing you need to know is, you know, how long my product is going to last, you know, in a given environment, you know, mm -hmm. it could be in an airplane, in an automobile, you know, you don't know. So, you know, predict the environment where your product is going to operate. Mm. It, it really helps. Uh, it must be challenging when say with the automotive and I know automotive standards are really rough. And so to still see it's sort of like what I, the corollary to what I was saying about PCB is they can comply to everything IPC says, but then depending on the environment or, you know, whatever it, you don't have the whole picture. And so, you know, in case of automotive, you might live in Minnesota or you might live in Arizona, right? It could be under extreme heat or extreme cold or salt on the road or, and same with airplanes going, you know, flying from Arizona, you know, going to high altitudes and moisture and, you know, all these things. So, um, again, what, it, when I, when I say all that, Giuliano, it sounds like, forget it. I just want to go home. Right. But, um, engineers are so clever. So how in your mind, do you have any advice as far as how to sort of onboard? Like, in other words, if you're gonna, if you're designing a part or a system, you're responsible for thermal, like how can the person that's doing the thermal modeling say, think about the next engineer in line, you know, or the mechanical or, you know, how, how can we gain this more system-based approach? Do you think these automated um, workflows are, you know, EDA tools basically is what you're saying and cloud enabled, right? So yeah. is that the, is that the best kind of outlook you see for engineers? Well well, not for engineers, but for a company. I think for engineers, it's really important mm. for them to be up to date, uh, you know, with the experts in the field and what's happening, uh, you know. 
So for example, mm-hmm. I just came back from the IEEE EMC SIPI conference in Grand Rapids, mm-hmm. where, you mm-hmm. know, I can meet the most, uh, you know, amazing and most smart guys in the field, you know, for EMC and SIPI, uh, you know, when we go to DesignCon, when you go to APAC, you know, for power electronics, you know, that I, I think, you know, if I'm an engineer, I want to know what's happening out there, you know, what what's, uh, you know, I need to learn. I think, you know, creating this, uh, you know, being part of this network, you know, watching your podcasts, right? You know, see the publications uh-huh. in LinkedIn from all the experts that we have out there. I think that's the first step, right? I mean, you, you ha- of course, have to have the, you know, your background, you know, your theory, you know, you need to understand, you know, right. electromagnetics or thermal, you know, Maxwell's equations, Navier-Stokes. But then after you have this background, you need to know what's happening out there, what's going on, right? And talking right. to to the experts in the field, you know, watching your podcast, going to conference, I think that's the best way to to do this, you know, to learn inside, to learn yeah. what's you know what's happening out there. Yeah, well, that's certainly what I'm aspiring to do here, and why I call it the ecosystem. Right, is getting all different experts like you <laughs> on to give more awareness to engineers, so they can have that. I think it's, for me, at least how I imagine it, unless you think otherwise, it seems like a situational awareness and also the landscape's always changing, right? So you have to self-educate all the time. All all the time. And ecosystem is something that we take very seriously. Uh, I mean, like, uh, you know, we have integration within Keysight, Pathwave, ADS, or FPro. You can run our tools from there. We have, uh, you know, integration with Altium. We have the same Mm -hmm. thing with... uh, Autodesk and, and, and Zucan because we understand that there are tools everywhere and people are using many different tools, right? So, right. you know, having this open ecosystems, you know, with Synopsys and all of the DDA tools, it's very important. Just like what you're saying here, you're creating an ecosystem, right? And right. And, and that's what we have to do. That's We, we take this very seriously here at, at ANSYS. Well, I really admire ANSYS for that particular reason, right? I think the, the Daves of us, um, as companies, actually, that serve engineers, staying in a closed loop, right? I think that as we allow for that integration across multiple tools, I think everybody wins, but specifically engineers win, right? And the world kind of wins because hopefully it gets done right. And so, yeah. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thanks so much. And I hope you had a, a great time at the the EMC SIPI conference. I was sort of watching from the sidelines, but it looked like a terrific show. Um, where would you like our folks to go learn more about ANSYS, your, maybe some of your educational resources, your forum, and you know, how can they plug in and, and become part of the ANSYS ecosystem? Yeah, that, that's a very good question. If you're an ANSYS student, you know, you can just Google ANSYS student uh, and you're going to find our forums, you know, where you can download our tools. Uh, you know, if you want to just want to learn more about um, electromagnetics, uh, you know, you can go to ANSYS Electronics. We have a web page. If you have questions and you have requests, you know, like a rule of thumbs like 3W for crosstalk. I want to see why this is not working anymore. Just ask me on LinkedIn. I'll, I'm going to create an animation okay. and explain that to you. So I'm always open, uh, you know, to, to talk to everyone. And uh, I really appreciate this opportunity, Judy. I had a great time in here. It's always great to talk to you. And uh, hopefully, you know, we can meet again soon. Yes, I hope so. Well, I'm definitely going to nab you because 
Actually, send me a couple of those of your favorite animations, and I'll try to integrate them into the video part of this. So uh, our listeners that are people that are watching on YouTube can see how cool they are, and I'll definitely put your LinkedIn profile before. So, Juliano, thank you so much for all that you do for the industry as well as ANSYS. I appreciate your time today, and I hope to have you back again soon. Yeah, sounds great, Judy. Thank you very much. Yeah, talk to you soon. Okay. For our listeners, please go check out. I'm after... Juliana and I finish here. I'm going to go nab all those links from him and give you a bunch of stuff to plug into. And please come and join our community as well. And we're going to do our very best to keep you up to speed and equipped while you're out there doing all your great engineering work. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week. Until then, remember to always stay connected to the ecosystem.